You're listening to Nursing Review Radio. Nuran Higgins recently returned from her second assignment coordinating the entire health response with the International Red Cross for the million affected by the earthquakes in Nepal. Nuran coordinated dozens of foreign medical teams sent from all around the world to run a range of field hospitals and health programs across the country and will return again for her third mission in Nepal on Sunday. Nuran joins me now. Welcome. Thank you for having me on board. How did you originally end up working in the aid and international disaster management field? Um, it's a really good question. Uh, I think if I sort of look back, the deeper uh, issue that drove me to sort of do aid work in itself uh, came from my own personal experience when I was 15 years old. I was actually a street kid living on the streets. And it was there I got to see the worst and best of humanity. Um, Most people would assume being in Australia that you don't sort of have anything bad happen to you. But, uh, you know, definitely living on the streets is not an easy uh, kind of lifestyle. And so from there, I think there was a, a deeper thing within me to always want to give back. And it wasn't until a bit later on that I had the opportunity to become involved volunteering. Um, with newly arrived refugees that were coming into Australia, working with youth, um, with the Australian Red Cross. And one thing led to another from doing volunteer work uh, with the Red Cross. And from there, I ended up uh, working in the headquarters uh, within the emergency response department. So looking at how the Red Cross Red Crescent movement responded internationally to humanitarian crises and um, from then on I sort of uh, moved from Australia into the field and have been doing this job for over 15 years now so yeah I think in short that's a little bit about how I sort of came to do the work that I sort of am doing today and still very much passionate about I must say. What did the assignment that you recently returned from involve? Um, So my most recent assignment uh, has fed off the first assignment which I did. So the first one I was involved with establishing the international response, working very closely with the Nepal Red Cross um, around healthcare service provision. And at that point, at the beginning, it was really about saving lives. So deployment of uh, field hospitals, basic healthcare units were, were sent from all over the world uh, that uh, belonged to the Red Cross Red Crescent family. Um, and my role was really about working closely in coordinating that setup. Now, the second uh, mission, which uh, I've just recently come back from, was continuing on from that, but looking at the transition phase. So uh, initially, in any response, you sort of have a circumstance where the health service provision is compromised, and this is where you need to scale up with this international assistance. So part of the second mission was really looking at how we could look at health systems strengthening and supporting the Ministry of Health to be able to take back uh, essentially its its role and responsibility around healthcare service provision for um, its citizens. Um, So a lot of that was looking at discussions, preparation around what that would look like and how the kind of handover of medical equipment that belonged Uh, within these emergency response units, how that would be distributed either through the Ministry of Health to help them continue on uh, into the recovery phase, um, or also then looking at building up capacity of the Nepal Red Cross 
for the long term so that in the future when there are certain circumstances such as what we've seen, that they also have the capacity now from the experience that they've gained to be able to respond at, at you know, that next level. Um, so that's really uh, the key part of what the second role was uh, in, involved uh, in doing. What are some of the first things you have to think about when setting up an aid program across a country that has experienced a disaster like an earthquake? A really good question. <laughs> Um, I think the first thing you actually need, I, I sort of do, is take a deep breath. Um, I think anyone working in the health uh, profession, you know, sort of, it, it's 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 a bit. Um, how do I put it? I think you know our natural human instinct is to react, and in this circumstance, when you you are overwhelmed by noise, uh, you know, by chaos. Uh, your natural instinct is to want to to react. But the first thing for me that I try and do when I arrive in country is actually to take a deep breath. And that allows me then to put everything into perspective. Um, and so from that point onwards, you've really got to go through uh, a very, uh, I guess, structured but also um, adaptive kind of process of what needs to be put in place. So looking at, you know, accessibility what are the challenges around that? Are you going to be able to, you know, deploy a field hospital to a very remote area that's been affected by a disaster? Not an easy thing to do um, when access by road is challenged. Um, a lot of people are having to go by helicopter. So you've got to really think outside the box around that. So the assessment component is really the critical part of where um, really important decisions are made uh, that counteracts the operation that takes on um, from that point. The other, I guess, the other really key part for me is understanding the capacity that exists in country at the time. So a lot of the time we come with the assumption that we've we've got the answers to everything, and that's often not the case. Um, when you take the time to really understand, well, what was in place before? What were the capacities and what were the vulnerabilities? The likelihood that you will able to be be able to have a successful operation um, will be improved significantly based on that ability to think of, of looking at that important aspect. And definitely with my experience uh, responding to the Nepal earthquake um, has been uh, has been very much due to the capacity and competencies of the national Nepali staff that I've worked side by side. Without them, you know, much of what's been achieved would not be. Um, and then also thinking about, you know, how do you mitigate from doing harm? So just your, your very presence in itself um, can influence the dynamics of society, um, you know, the cultural fabric uh, of your presence. So for me, that's always really critical when I think about the kinds of operational decisions that need to be made. Are we actually going, you know, essentially beyond saving lives, are we going to be doing more harm than good? And, and if so, what kind of shifts in the kind of operational framework do we need to take into account? Because that really is, is such an important aspect that goes well beyond, uh, you know, what we see in the media. Um, and we have a responsibility to ensure that we help communities to be able to build that better 
um, without creating more problems than they've already been faced with. How can an aid worker prepare for an assignment like the one that you've come back from in Nepal? You've said it's critical that aid workers look after their own health and well-being to ensure they're able to provide the most effective care possible. How does one ensure this is happening? Yeah, another good question and one that I'm really, really passionate about, uh, to be honest, because I think, again, if we look at the health service provision, um, you know, there is a sense when you serve humanity, a natural instinct to forget about your own humanity. And to me, the argument of saying that you are the, there to serve, if, if that really truly is at your core, then you need to be of the mindset from, you know, mind, body and spirit that you are always fundamentally at the, at the forefront. And to do that, really, you need to invest in your own health and well-being. And it, it kind of challenges this dichotomy of what you're trained or what you believe in terms of your morals and principles to, to give out to, to the universe. But um, without it, you're actually doing a disservice. You're only able to contribute 80 or, you know, 70%, whatever, it's it's not 100% because you're ultimately depleting yourself of the very resources needed to give out. So I, I am always very strong in arguing against that where people say that, no, we, you know, we just have to keep pushing ahead. Um, you need to, again, love yourself more and ensure that you do carve some time for yourself uh amongst that chaos. And so for me, if I sort of reflect on this recent mission in Nepal, um, I was up at 5.30 in the morning doing yoga and meditation. And some days it would, you know, be 15 minutes and some days it would be half an hour or 45 minutes, depending on, you know, what my body was calling for. And that's the really important thing by taking time to have a regular practice of cultivating self-care you can really tune into what your body's calling for. Now, if I delayed that to later in the day, I know that that would be compromised because once you get going, you just keep going and, you know, serving someone else or responding to another email becomes always a higher priority. Um, and this is where you see, you know, two weeks into an emergency, people's decision-making starts to be compromised People start to take things personally. They become much more uh, reactive. Uh, you start to see people break down, become tired. Um, so for me, it really comes back to, you know, if, if altruism is something that you argue uh, that guides you principally and morally to do the work that you do, then to truly uh, reflect that outwards, you need to love yourself more and, and put yourself first so that you can really um, provide the kind of support needed and you know for everyone it's different um, and it takes time you've got to trial and test and and see what works for you um, you know other missions where I've been in Afghanistan where you don't have the ability to go out for a run you know a skipping rope does the same thing you've just got to find a way to ensure that that build-up of stress on a daily basis is counteracted um, uh, you know, looking at the, the healing and the restoring that the body, mind and spirit needs. 
As I mentioned, you'll be returning to Nepal again for a third mission in just a matter of days. What drives you to continue to do the work that you do? Oh, these are really, really good questions. Um, what drives me? Um, I guess humanity. Um, at the end of the day, it's important for us to take a step back and reflect on the amazing world that we live in and the people that consist within that. And sometimes, uh, you know, there are people that are suffering. And for me, at the end of the day, if I have the ability to contribute to that realisation of what we all aspire for a sense of purpose, a sense of meaning, a sense of happiness, then as a global citizen, I think, you know, I have a responsibility to ensure that I'm not over-consuming too much of that and that I'm thinking of my other fellow citizens and providing them with the opportunity to experience that too. Um, and I think, you know, coming back and forth over the last 15 years from different missions, different geographical locations, different complexities and coming home to Australia, I really feel a sense that we've lost that. We've lost that sense of humanity in many ways um, and over-consumerism has become a part of what drives many people today. And that to me is really sad because we're missing the beauty of what life is all about, the breath of life. Um, we're no different. You know, you take away all of our um, our superficial things that we hold on to to dear life, um, you strip that away and put someone who, for example, who is in Syria um, next to you and look at them as a human being. We all have actually the same thing, a beating heart, a breath of life, and that to me is what we need to remember to come back to and, and, and share, ensure that we're sharing that with equity rather than inequity. Thank you for your time, Niran. Thank you so much for having me.